The flamingo is making a play for the title of Florida State Bird. We have a cuckoo on our hands, a pun intended. The long-standing mockingbird has a lot to say on this matter. But what do the people in Florida think? The Mockingbird has enjoyed its place as the state bird of Florida for over a century. But the curtain might be closing on this melodious flyer. The challenger to the perch? Pink flamingos. The kind you already think about when you think of Florida. At least that's what supporters of the switch say. Other contenders include the fish-praying osprey and the scrubbill. Others want tradition to remain. Let the flamingo bask in the sunshine all at once, but don't kill the mockingbird. King Herod had enjoyed his time on the throne, too. But it wasn't a flamingo or an osprey that threatened his perch on the throne. It was a baby named Jesus, born in Bethlehem. Come and see. Fall down and worship. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing with you the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're beginning the second week in a series called The Living Nativity. All last week, we were listening to Echoes of Christmas bouncing around in our minds and hearts like echoes in a canyon between the solid rock of the Old as well as New Testaments. And all these echoes, these stories, point us to Jesus. Echoes of Jesus wrapped in swaddling cloths, laid in a manger. Echoes of Jesus wrapped in burial cloths, laid in a tomb. And the resounding echo of Jesus, alive today, clothed in his own righteousness, and seated at his Father's right hand. Well, today we want to look at how the Old Testament proclaimed that many Gentiles from very far distances would come to know Jesus. And of course, this promise is echoed when the wise men from the East arrived in Bethlehem to meet the Christ child. We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts we travel so far Field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. A unique rendition of We Three Kings by Celtic Women, originally written in 1857, here on this Haven Today and the Living Nativity. In a moment, we're going to look at the story of these wise men. Where do they come from? Why do they follow that Christmas star? Why is their story so important for us to know today? Stay with me as we seek to look for those answers by listening to the echoes of Bethlehem in the old, in the new, and in our lives today. I'm not sure if you've looked at the calendar. America's Thanksgiving is only two and a half weeks away. And if you know what happens the day after, a massive marketing blitz to get you to buy, buy, buy on Black Friday, and you can be in Canada and you'll be asked to buy as well, Christmas is coming quickly. And this is why I want to help you avoid the commercialism of the season and find Christ-centered activities for you and those you love this year. And the manger mission is one of those things. We asked the creators of the storybook about the wise men, along with the wooden block nativity set, to explain what it is and what's the mission of the manger mission. 
The Manger Mission is a child-led, play-based, Jesus-focused family Christmas tradition that includes a hardback children's book that tells the story both of the tradition and of the original wise men in scripture. It also includes a wooden nativity set coordinating with the illustrations in the book, and the, te- the set has been tested for child safety. Our mission is to share a tradition that encourages children to be creative, and inspires families to focus on Jesus during the Christmas season. That's Hannah and Kristen from the Manger Mission Project. Not only does it encourage children to be creative, it also inspires an entire family to focus on Jesus during the Christmas season. May I invite you to get one for yourself? Maybe even send another to someone you love and needs it. Janet, my wife, and I are sending one to our grandkids now so they have it in time for December. And right now, we're offering free shipping. After the program, why don't you make a cheerful holiday gift early to Haven Today? But we'll get you a copy of the Manger Mission, boxed up in a beautifully presented way with our thanks. Our number to call in a few minutes is 800-654-2836. 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit us online. Click on the Manger Mission resource button. Watch the video we have there that shows families playing with it. But you can also make your gift there at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And yes, we still have the chosen TV show, Series 1 and 2, for your gift to the ministry as well. Nice for you. Nice as a Christmas gift for someone you love. Now let's open the program with a song about the wise men. A song called... How many kings? Follow the star to a place unexpected. Would you believe after all we've projected? A child in a manger. Lonely and small, the weakest of all. Unlikeliest hero, wrapped in his mother's shawl. Just a child, is this who we've waited for? Have become the least for me. 
The group is called Down Here. How many kings on a haven today called the Living Nativity? I'm Charles Morris. Thank you for coming alongside me this Monday. Imagine this scene. A baby, newborn, crying in his mother's arms, sleeping in a sleepy town, surrounded mostly by domesticated animals, shepherds, and a loving family. Zoom out. This dingy city or village is nestled in the Judean hill country, just a few miles south of Jerusalem, the center of power and influence for the Jewish people. Christ did not come to the powerful. He did not come to claim power for himself and seize control of a geopolitical state. This baby was born among the forgotten and the overlooked. Other than David's family, Bethlehem didn't have much going for it. But this was where the true son of David was born. Zoom out. The nations surrounding Israel were always threatening to destroy it. Even then, when Jesus was born, the Jews were under Roman rule. The Greeks had been in control a few years earlier. The nations around had always been a threat. Yet the birth of Christ marked something absolutely unique. Imagine, instead of the nations flooding into Israel to kill and plunder as they typically did, Christ's birth set something else off. The nations pouring into Israel to worship, to behold the newborn king. When the Gospels tell us about the wise men, the Magi, they're telling us the story of Zechariah fourteen sixteen, The nations going up to worship. People from all over the world making their way to the promised land to worship the Lord. Malachi one eleven envisioned that time when the Lord's name would be made great among the nations, when all the people would make offerings to the Lord in worship. This is the scene that I have in mind when I think about the wise men. Zoom back in. Matthew 2, 1-12 gives us the story. And Dr. Kenneth Bailey, a scholar in the Middle East for over 40 years, who has helped us along the way to get a sense for what these stories meant through the eyes of those who first heard them. I want to go back to Kenneth Bailey for a minute. I want us to hear how he, as a Middle Eastern Christian scholar, explains the story of the wise men. When we open the 60th chapter of Isaiah, we find some words that are very familiar to us because of the great piece of music called the Messiah. And if you know that music, you can almost hear the tune as we read these opening words, words that we almost always read at Christmas time sometime, and they are the, the first three verses of the 60th chapter of Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Now, who is the you? Because you see, not only does the text say that whoever this you is, that glory is going to shine round about you, and there is going to be a great light round about you, but the next thing we find is that children 
are going to come to you. Your daughters and your sons will come from afar. And then we find in verse 6, a multitude of camels shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah and all those of Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense. Now, obviously, don't, camels don't come on their own. Somebody has to guide them. Midian and Ephah were Arab tribes of northern Arabia. Sheba is from southern Arabia. And what are we told that they're going to bring? They're going to bring gold and frankincense. Frankincense, a product of southern Arabia. Then in verse 7, we're told that all the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered unto you. Well, sheep don't wander off in any direction that, you know, on their own. They're led by shepherds. The next thing we're told is that your sons will come from afar. That's in verse 9. And at the end of verse 9, we are told that the Holy One of Israel will glorify you. Well, now, this is quite a text. A great light, light is going to shine round about you. Children are going to come. People from Arabia are going to come with gold and frankincense. And they are going to come on camels from even as far away as southern Arabia. The shepherds are going to show up. Children will come, your sons will come, and you will be glorified. Now, who is Isaiah talking about? When we go on to verse 10 and verse 11, it becomes very clear. For he says, foreigners shall build up your walls. Verse 11, your gates shall be open continually. Day and night they shall not be shut. So what is Isaiah talking about? He's dreaming about the city of Jerusalem. Dr. Kenneth Bailey. Isaiah 60 was talking about the new Jerusalem, which is Byronic. When the wise men came to see Jesus, the Son of God was not in Jerusalem. He was down in Bethlehem. The wise men were coming from the east, and they went to the capital, Jerusalem, first. But that's not where the king was. It's a subtle hint to us and to the wise men that the new Jerusalem won't be found in the old. Jesus didn't come to renovate an existing order, to merely update the leadership of the promised land. He came to institute a brand new kingdom, a place that's marked by his concern and care for the forgotten, as well as the overlooked. Herod thought his throne was secure. He had just finished a few years earlier working to squash any perceived threat to his rule, even killing his own wife to make sure no one would try to make a play for the crown. But he forgot about Bethlehem. He forgot about the prophecies. He overlooked the city of David to his south. That is, until the wise men showed up in the palace looking for this king. Bethlehem is where the new Jerusalem was born, not the palace of Herod. This forgotten town became the most significant place in all the universe the day Jesus was born. And King Herod's concern in Jerusalem for his own throne gives us insight into how he could have ordered the slaughter of so many young children. Matthew 2 tells us that when Herod heard this news from the wise men, that a king had been born, 
He went on a rampage, and he ordered every child two years old and younger to be put to death. The wise men had come to find and worship this other king, the one whose star they had seen when they were still in the east. Herod felt threatened again. It says a lot about Herod, doesn't it? But this time he was threatened by a baby whose identity he didn't even know. An unknown, an unseen king who was destined to reign forever. What a brutal decree he issued and one that the Lord saved Jesus from by meeting Joseph in a dream. But once again, the story of the wise men, rich and powerful men who came to a rich and powerful palace to meet who they thought was a soon-to-be rich and powerful king, reminds us that this is not how the kingdom of our Lord works. As the holidays approach very soon, weeks away, we might be very tempted to pursue a name for ourselves. We want friends. We want to put on successful airs, maybe even fine parties. We want to give good gifts. We might forget that the New Jerusalem was born outside the center of wealth and power. This Christmas, instead of focusing on ourselves, what we can buy or can't buy, we need to remember Jesus. His love frees us from that materialistic spirit that wants to own it all. It frees us from the insecurity that led King Herod to commit atrocities to preserve his, his little fiefdom and his influence, whatever that amounted to. It leads us in the way of the Magi, following the Lord's star to the Word, and from there finding and worshiping Jesus. They didn't know where to go until they inquired where the Messiah was to be born. And you and I don't know where to go until we turn to the Lord in his word and ask him to lead us where he wants us to go. We find him outside of ourselves, outside of the places we might expect and all-powerful king to be. But we find him, and when we do find him, we find that he is all for us. He lived, he died, he made sure that we always have a seat at his table. In Nazareth of Galilee, an angel speaks the sacred words. Mary, you will be with child, the miracle of virgin birth. Joseph heeds the angel's sign and takes her as his promised wife. Now through the night they journey on. How far is it to Bethlehem? Wise men plan their course ahead, searching for the promised king. Now from the Place where hope was born.
the walls outside Jerusalem who see the mount of Calvary they're lifted high upon a cross the savior of humanity he conquered sin and buried shame rose to life and burst the Christmas album he did, Matt Redmond, and how far here on this Haven Today. Looking at the wise men, it's been encouraging to me. I pray for you as well. Gentiles from afar, looking for Jesus. What a picture of the gospel. And you can see that played out in your home or your loved one's home as the kids around your life move the wise men closer to Jesus with the manger mission activity set. But what is it exactly? How does it work? Well, let me try to paint a picture in your mind. First, the activity set comes in a, in a beautiful dark green box that can be used for years to come. Inside, a beautifully illustrated storybook that conveys the wise men's journey to Christ. And yes, it even deals with the fact that the wise men showed up after the birth of Jesus. But it also has a cute, colorful, 12-piece wooden nativity set that's perfect for children of all ages, grown children too. And finally, the actual activity. What do you do with it? Well, the children put the wise men as far away from the nativity set as they can, and then they read the story, and each day kids move the pieces ever closer to Jesus as you talk about Christ and the reason he was born. 
We've been hearing from so many people who are thankful that we can help them plan their Christmas around a playful but Christ-centered activity. In fact, we got a sweet note from Donald, who lives in Illinois. As grandparents of young little ones, we're going to use this at our house when they come visit us for their weekly child care day and when they come to visit at other times. How fun it will be when we gather for Christmas and find all the characters and ourselves included at the stable to celebrate the birth of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Donald, your words have blessed us, and I pray that time with your grandkids will lead them to Jesus. So what about you? Why don't you get ready to lead your loved ones to the manger mission? To start, you can just get on the phone and call us right now at 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Just click on the manger mission resource to find the video. And then you can make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And in case you forgot, we still have The Chosen, Seasons 1 and 2, on DVD for your generosity. Get a set for yourself to enjoy. Get one to give away to someone this Christmas who needs to learn more about Jesus. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for starting your week with me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? But again, we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Sometimes, not often, the Bible sets up scenes that could only be understood as humorous irony. The scene, the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, They've just finished their meal of the forbidden fruit, bringing sin and shame into the world, and they hear the Lord in the garden. So they hid. He knows all, but they hid. Irony. It goes on. And Genesis 3.9 delivers the true humor. The Lord said, where are you? Of course he knew where they were. He was treating Adam like a child, which he was. A child who'd messed up. A child who needed help. Sounds like us, too. Forbidden fruit is sweet. Trust in self is deceptive, but thankfully Christ came down to save us from ourselves. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.